our first reading is from the Old Testament, 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 1 through 20. I'll be reading from the New Revised Standard Version. There was a certain man from Ephraim, a Zuphite from the country hill of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah. He had two wives. The name of one was Hannah and the other one Peninnah. Peninnah had children, but Hannah had no children. Now, this man used to go up every year from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of hosts at Shiloh, where the two sons of Eli, Hophni, and Phinehas were priests of the Lord. On this day, when Elikna sacrificed, he would give portions to his wife Peninnah and to her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he would give a double portion, because he loved her, though the Lord had closed her womb. Her rival used to provoke her severely to irritate her, because the Lord had closed her womb. So it went on every year. As often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she used to provoke her. Therefore, Hannah went up and would not eat. Her husband, Elkanah, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? Why is your heart sad? Am I not more to you than ten sons? After they had eaten and drunk at Shiloh, Hannah rose and presented herself before the Lord. Now Eli, the priest, was sitting on the seat beside the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. She was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. She made this vow. O Lord of hosts, if you only will look at the misery of your servant and remember me, and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a male child, then I will set him before you as a servant of the Lord. Until the day of his death, he shall drink neither wine nor intoxicants, and no razor shall touch his head. As she continued praying before the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Anna was praying silently, though her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli thought she was drunk. So Eli said to her, How long will you make a drunken spectacle of yourself? Put away your wine. But Anna answered, No, my lord, I am a woman deeply troubled. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman, for I have been speaking out my great anxiety and vexation for, uh, for all this time. Then Eli answered, Go in peace. The God of Israel, grant thy petition you have made for him. And she said, Let your servant find favor in sight. Then the woman went to her quarters, ate and drank with her husband. And her, and her countenance was sad no longer. They rose early the next morning and worshipped before the Lord. Then they went back to their house in Ramah. The Lord remembered her, and in due time, Anna conceived and bore a son. She named him Samuel, for she said, I have named him of the Lord. This ends our first reading. Our second reading today comes from, again, the book of 1 Samuel, this time chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. Let us listen for God's word speaking to us this day. Hannah prayed and said, My heart exalts in the Lord, my strength is exalted in my God. My mouth derides my enemies because I rejoice in my victory. There is no holy one like the Lord. 
no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. Talk no more so proud. Talk no more so very proudly. Let not arrogance come from your mouth. For the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by the Lord actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty are broken, but the feeble gird on strength. Those who are full have hired themselves out for bread, but those who are hungry are fat with spoil. The barren has borne seven, but she who has many children is forlorn. The Lord kills and brings to life. The Lord brings down to Sheol and raises up. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. The Lord brings low and also exalts. The Lord raises up the poor from the dust, lifts the needy from the ash heap, to make them sit with princes and inherit a seat of honor. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and on them our God has set the world. The Lord will guard the feet of the faithful ones, but the wicked shall be cut off in darkness. But not by might does one prevail. The Lord's adversaries shall be shattered. The Most High will thunder in heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth and will give strength to the king and exalt the power of the anointed one. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So these stories of Hannah are some of the favorite of my family. They gave rise to the names of two of my children. Anna is our oldest, and Sam, Samuel, is our middle. We love these stories. We love them because it took us a long time to conceive our first child, Anna. And there were days and years there where we prayed and prayed that God would do a thing in our lives. And we have been blessed. We love them all. Anna, Sam, and Sarah, all good biblical names. We did all of this in the midst of the church where I served in Atlanta, North Decatur Presbyterian Church in Decatur, right outside of Atlanta, right very close to where I went to seminary. The prayer life at that church was a bit more robust than our practice here at Rocky River. I affectionately affectionately called the prayers of the people at North Decatur open mic night. Because every Sunday we would grab the wireless microphone and one of the pastors would walk out into the congregation and ask, what are your joys and your concerns? And the congregation would lift up their greatest joys and their deepest concerns with one another. It was a beautiful thing and a stressful thing as a pastor because you had to know everyone's name. It was like pop quiz time. But it was a beautiful thing to see the way the congregation trusted each other to be real with one another and to share the very fabric of what they were living at that moment. Usually this was a very sacred time in the life of the church. But on some Sundays, I admit that members of the congregation could end up feeling a bit like Eli. Uncomfortable and frustrated. 
You see, we had one faithful member who happened to suffer from a slight mental illness. And she would, on occasion, if the pastor wasn't quick to guide the prayer request, monopolize that moment in worship to share the great and small things of her life. She would rant about whatever was going on in politics or the news or talk about her bowel movements. It was uncomfortable at times. You could just feel the congregation groan at moments, like, oh, make her stop. Now, they never actually groaned, don't get me wrong. They were a kind and loving congregation and made space for her, which in itself was a beautiful thing. But you could literally feel the anxiety rise. And when we had visitors, which we often did, look around thinking, what is going on? Is she drunk? Like, what is happening? So there were times when I can relate to Eli sitting at the back of the worship space wondering, what is that person doing? How is this happening? To many, that faithful member's prayer requests were tedious and sometimes too honest. But to her, these were the important things in her life. And she wanted, now I think she needed to lift them before God and the people that mattered to her, her family of faith. I imagine that Hannah, in today's story, can relate. She had important things to pray about, things that she needed to tell God. This was a woman with more than her share of misery. She'd lived during a time when women were worth very little unless they produced male children. I think it's safe to say that we are still on a journey of understanding that a woman's worth does not come from her ability or even desire to have children. So in Hannah's lifetime, many viewed her as a burden. Poor Elkanah stuck with the barren one. Poor Elkanah that has Hannah around. They viewed her as a burden and a drain on the family. Thankfully for Hannah, she had a great husband, Elkanah, who was a man who loved her deeply. But poor Hannah wanted nothing more than to be a mother. It caused her endless pain to not be able to bear children. A fact that her sister wife, Penina, used to torment her. And by the way, Ben, great job on all the names in worship this morning. Snaps for Ben. Penina used to torment her. When her tears and despair got to be too much, Hannah went to church. It wasn't really a temple because this was before Jerusalem was the home of the temple. And so families would gather at, I guess you'd call them regional outposts. For our purposes, I'm going to call them a church, but it wasn't a church. It, was, or it wasn't a temple either. It was a, a regional worship space for the sake of words. I'll just say church. Hannah went to church to pray. She went to church to escape the ridicule 
from her family, to escape the constant torment, to pray for her, the Lord to hear her. But that day, in the church, in the place where she should have felt safe, in the place of her deepest faith, she was met by more contempt, more disdain. And from the priest, from Eli, Eli mocked her, accusing her of being drunk as she prayed to God. But this I love about Hannah. Hannah had moxie. She had just been ridiculed by the priest, accused of being drunk. But Hannah was not going to be discounted in the place of worship. Her prayers were not going to be devalued like she had been devalued her whole life. And friends, in Hannah's moxie, we see an audacious faith. A faith that believes and claims that God's grace is for her. That the love of Yahweh is not just for the men of the world, but for her and women like her. In the barrenness of her life, Hannah believes that God is present and that God can and will act on her behalf. So she is going to church and she is going to pray any way that she needs to so that her God will hear her. Her faithfulness, her audacious belief humbles Eli, puts him in his place, and beckons him to bless her. And as the story unfolds, we know that her prayers are answered. She gives birth to Samuel, the child that she's longed for for so very long. Samuel, who is the fruit of Hannah's faithful refusal to be comforted by anything less than a gift from God. She knows that Elkanah loves her. He gives her double portions. He showers praise upon her. And he says, what? Am I not enough? Hannah is not going to settle for anything less than a gift from God because she believes that God is with and for her. The birth of Samuel is a monumental moment in Jewish tradition. Usually his story eclipses that of his faithful and often forgotten mother. But in that space, in the church that day, Hannah not only becomes an inspiration to women the world over who struggle with infertility, but she is an inspiration for all Jews and Christians who are living in barren times, who are yearning for God's presence and God's action. In Hannah, we see that our relationship with God is not about presenting our best selves. It's not about putting on our Sunday best and our hats and being perfect. Or that everything is always all right in the world. Our relationship with God is about being real. 
It's about bringing our real selves, our lived experiences, our traumas, our stresses, our anxieties, our joys, our celebrations before our loving God. Our relationship with God is about offering up our authentic selves and trusting that God's grace is for us. That God's grace is with us. That God's grace is for all people, whoever they are, just as they are. Throughout her life, Hannah continues to model for us how to live in response to God's grace. And she follows through on her promise. Even though, after having a child you longed for for so long, I know it was hard. It was hard to raise Samuel to an acceptable age, the story goes on to tell us. And then she returns that blessing to God. In gratitude for this answered prayer, Hannah dedicates her son to God's service. And Samuel goes on to be a prophet, a judge, a guide, a kingmaker, a faithful servant to God and God's people. And for Hannah, afterward, her prayer life, her fervent prayer life continued. We heard it in chapter 2 in this beautiful prayer, lifting up who God is. The one who cares for the downcast. The one who lifts up the fallen. The one who reverses the fortunes of the world and ensures that God's people will live in glory. My friends, the life of this congregation is marked by Hannah's fervent prayers. We are all, individually and communally, living in various forms of barren times. The world shaken by pandemic and loss of social norms. This church is in a barrenness of in-between time as faithful staff have departed or are about to depart and an unknown future looms on the horizon. But like Hannah, you are here. You are here offering up yourselves and praise and prayer. And Hannah's invitation, Hannah's lived reality is an invitation for you. Come just as you are. Come as your authentic selves. Come with your joys and celebrations. Come with your heartaches and your pain and lift them before God. Lift them wherever you are, trusting that God is with and for you, that God hears you. Lift them in the midst of a gathered congregation and trust that you in response to God's grace in your lives, 
will be there for one another. That like Hannah, you will offer back the blessings that God God has given you to be a comfort and a strength, a source of joy, a source of peace for one another each and every day. Do the work of being a blessing. Do the work of living in response to the grace of God by offering up yourselves, your time and your talent, which is immense, to be a blessing at work in the world. Allow God to use you the way God used Samuel. And we only know where the needs are when we pray like Hannah, fervently, authentically, trusting audaciously that God's grace is for you. You and you and as they say in the South, all y'all. God loves you just as you are. There's no need to pretend. Amen. Amen.